0: to John. I got an email from him earlier this week saying, Gail, since this is your last Sunday, would you choose your favorite songs so that we can honor you by playing them? And uh, John was kind enough to play those. So if, so if you're upset with the song selection today, don't take it out on John. Come and see me because I really care about your opinion, okay? So did you have a Merry Christmas? Good. Did you guys hear about Charlie? Oh, Charlie. Charlie forgot about Christmas, wakes up Christmas morning, and he bought his wife nothing, absolutely nothing. And she is so upset. She is so angry. She, she just tears into poor Charlie, and she said, Charlie, there had better be something in my driveway tomorrow morning that goes from zero to 206 seconds, or you are in such trouble. Next morning, his wife gets up, goes out to the driveway, and she finds a bathroom scale. We haven't heard from Charlie since. You know, uh, this is kind of a bittersweet time. What, what do you do for your last message uh, to people you love? What, what do you do for your last sermon when there is no next week to continue on a theme or to put a package together. What, what do you do? And uh, in processing this, I go, I was reminded of that young preacher that was hired so many years ago. He was fresh out of seminary and the elders hired him and he came and he preached a, a great sermon. Outstanding sermon. And the elders were, we hired the right guy. This guy is amazing. Comes next Sunday. Again, he preaches a great sermon, but it's the same sermon he preached the week before. And the elders were confused a little bit. Comes the third Sunday. And again, he, he, he preaches that same great sermon. And finally, the elders, they have a meeting, and they call him, and they said, Son, we really love that sermon, but is that the only one you know? And the young preacher said, listen. I'm going to continue to preach the same sermon until we apply what I preached about. You know, that was kind of my thought process here. I I pray that every sermon I preached, every Bible study I taught, every equipping time I was a part of, everything I was, I pray that the theme was the same. That the challenge was the same. We may have come to it from different scriptures and different perspectives, but I pray the underlying proposition remained the same and that I was faithful to the gospel for three and a half years. And if you remember my first sermon, my first sermon was called The Final Exam. Everything I want to be about is the final exam that will be offered by Jesus Christ when we stand before the throne of the Almighty God. And he asks the questions that he asked his apostles and shared with his apostles 2,000 years ago. I told you when I started here, Jesus' uh, final exam is not like the final exam you take in college or high school where you sit there and you cram all you can into your head about calculus or history or geography and then, then you stay up late and then you regurgitate and vomit all that information up on the test and you'll walk out and you can forget everything you learn because you don't have to apply it. In Jesus' classroom, Jesus says, you don't understand. You got to apply what I teach you. It isn't about intellectual ascent. It isn't about memorizing the scriptures. It isn't about knowing book and verse. It, it, isn't, it isn't how smart you are. It's whether you can figure it out and apply it in your life. Whether you can be changed. Whether you can be transformed. And the great thing in, in the final exam of Jesus, he says... You don't have to worry about changing yourself or being transforming yourself. He says, I got something for you. I'm leaving you the Holy Spirit. All you have to do is put yourself in a place where the Holy Spirit can transform you, can change you, can bless you, can make you new in Jesus Christ so that we are, as the scripture says, we are a new creation in Christ. It isn't about just hearing. And understanding it's about applying. You want to test that hypothesis? Let's look at Matthew chapter 5. This is how Jesus closes the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. You guys know it. Everybody, we have a Sunday school program so little kids come up and sing about it the house that falls, right? Here's what, here's what Jesus says Jesus says, therefore, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. That word and, that's conjunction. A conjunction means you combine those two principles, those two concepts together. They are not distinct and separate. It isn't you can either hear or apply. It is who hear and apply my words. He goes. Uh, it is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, and the stream rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had a foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine, and another conjunction there, and does not put them in to practice. Everyone whose ears are tickled by scripture, but they don't put it into practice, he says, that's the foolish man. And when the winds come and the the storms, it's the same conditions that, that both of them experience, right? Both the wise and the foolish experience the same thing. They experience flood, they experience wind. What's the difference? It's the foundation on which they built their life. The one on the rock of Jesus Christ stands. The one that is built on sand of our humanness and our own agenda crashes and falls. And it falls with a great crash. Oh, Jesus, He is so serious. He is so serious. He says, I want you to study for the final exam. He says, How many of us would like teachers that give us the questions and the answers before you take the exam? Hell yeah. Haley, shake. Hey, let testify, sister. Here we go. <laughs> She's shaking her head. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Jesus loves us so much. He says, I'll give you the questions, I'll give you the answers because I want you to pass because you don't understand. Flunking Jesus' test has eternal catastrophe written all over it. Jesus says, I'm going to show you the answer to the test. I'm going to teach the test. I'm going to give you everything you need to know to take the test. And Jesus' test is pretty easy. Because it really involves just one basic Principle. And we're so glad that a lawyer, let's hear it for lawyers, <laughs> lawyers went up to Jesus and they asked the most important question. They said, Jesus, tell, tell me, what is the most important commandment? You know what it is. Jesus didn't even have to think. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength, and a second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the prophet and all the law. Everything that has gone before is wrapped up, is summarized in the word love. In 1 John, he writes, Whoever does not love does not know God. Oh, do you think you're going to expend an eternity in heaven if you don't know God. (laughs) I mean, that's the prerequisite, isn't it? To know God and to love God. And here's John writes, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Love is a catalyst. And in later in 1 John 4, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother... or sister, is a liar. Oh, you want to know how much you love Jesus? Put in your mind the picture of the face that drives you absolutely crazy. That when they walk in the room, you want to walk out. You can't can't talk to this person. You you have your wife talk to them. I've never done that with Denise. Okay. (laughs) but, But you have a thousand excuses not to be around this person. You cannot stand this person. You cannot love this person. You cannot forgive this person. Put that picture in your mind. And know that's how much you love Jesus. Because he says, if anyone says they love God and yet hates a brother or sister... They are a liar. You can't love God. And, and see, that's sequential. you got to follow, love God, love people, impact the world. You can't do it out of order. And he goes on, he says, It's a liar, for whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Look how important love is. Love is the catalyst the catalyst for everything. In, in, in fact, that, that's the whole point of our four chairs. Love is the catalyst for, for moving, right? We, we, we sit here and say the first chair is, is those who don't know Jesus Christ and they're looking at a Christless eternity. But if they fall in love with God and they say, I accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, oh, that's awesome. And they've begun to grow and transform according to God's holy word. And, and that's just amazing. And, and we're so excited when somebody receives Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And they move to chair two. But chair two has a problem. Chair, chair two, so many people think being baptized is a finish line. When I accept Jesus Christ, I finish. I've done everything. Now I can go live the way I want to because because I've been baptized in water, or I've been sprinkled with water, and, and I, I can now go do whatever I want to do because I have repeated some words that the pastor said. I've been immersed in water, like the pastor said. And now I am free to do whatever I want to do. Go back to Matthew 5. Whoever hears my words and puts them into practice. Whoever hears my word and puts them into practice. Whoever loves me will love my children and put that into practice. Here's a, a song. It's a contemporary song. Just the lyrics here. It says, uh, these are the lyrics to go, There are many people who will say they are Christians, and they live like Christians on the Sabbath day. But come Monday morning, till the coming Sunday, they will fight their neighbor all the way. Oh, you don't love God if you don't love your neighbor. If you gossip about him. If you have never had mercy on him. If he gets into trouble and you don't try to help him then you don't love your neighbor, and you don't love God. There's a God Almighty, and you've got to love him if you want salvation in a home on high. If you say you love God while you hate your neighbor, then you don't have religion, and you just told a lie. I tell you, chairs 2, 3, and 4 are not optional to a Christian. That's all, the, that's all 2, 3, and 4 is. Number one, you come to be acquainted with Jesus Christ and experience him as your personal Lord and Savior, and you learn what he teaches, and you say, I want to know more. What, what is your plan? What is your purpose? What is your mission for my life? And chairs 2, 3, and 4 are all about applying what we learn about Jesus, his example, and his teaching. You know, uh, chair... Chair two is 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 the baby. That's the one who says, What about me? What about me? What about me? Oh, I'm a little baby, pounds like the church is all about what I can get. You need a new youth program because I have this, I, I need this. You need us. it's all about what the, the Walmart type of church. I go to church because of what it can give to me. That's a baby. But you know, that's part of the natural growth of progression. Just just as an infant wants to be changed, wants to be fed. That's that's chair one, the, the infant. Chair three is when you realize, hey, there are other people around me. And these people matter to Jesus Christ. And you know what? I better find a way to love them and to serve them and to encourage them and to support them. How, how can I do that? That's chair three. And chair four is when one says, I'm called by Jesus Christ to make more disciples. I am not only called to, to apply what Jesus says, I'm called to teach other people and to bring them into fellowship with Jesus Christ. And, and that's chair four. And it's, it's amazing. It's amazing how Jesus planned this all out. And it's not hard. It's easy. Do you, do you want to know how easy the test is? Let's look at the, let's look at the test. You guys uh, that have been here before, you've seen the test before. Matthew 25. The last parable he tells. Before the whole passion, before he's arrested, before the upper room. He shares this parable with his apostles. He says, when the son of man comes in all of his glory and the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. The king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom, the kingdom of God, the upside-down kingdom. Take the kingdom that has been prepared for you since the creation of the world. Oh, for I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Do you see those questions on the final exam? Do those things depend upon how smart you are? Your, your IQ? No, no. Do they depend upon how much scripture you have memorized? And, and how much you can quote back to Jesus? No. It, is, it, is it based upon great ability? Uh, athletic ability? Uh, any other kind of ability? Are those questions based upon unique characteristics where only some people can achieve it and it's an impossibility for other people? Absolutely not. These questions we can all answer. It doesn't take anything special, except obedience, except a willingness to do this. Here's what here's what blows me away is this next passage. Here, are these Jesus put, says to the sheep, "You guys have done great. You fed me." You'd, and these guys say, "The righteous will answer him, Lord. When did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we use?" see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you, when did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? I, they say, Jesus, I don't remember doing any of that stuff. I, I don't remember seeing you in prison. I don't remember seeing you in the hospital. I don't remember seeing you like that. And Jesus answers. The king will reply, I tell you the truth, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. They didn't even know they were taking the exam. They were just doing what came naturally to a lover of Jesus Christ would do. (laughs) Jesus would love. He wouldn't love just the popular, the powerful, those who could give something back. Jesus would love, and these people loved Jesus, and they just did what Jesus would do. And now Jesus says, come. Heaven has been prepared for you. There's a great inheritance awaiting you. I will will share my glory and and give you peace. There will be no, no tears, no hurt, no pain. In heaven, when you're with me. And Jesus says, I've been preparing this since the beginning of time. Oh, those sheep rejoice. And then he turns to the goats to his left. He says, then he will turn. He will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are accursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord. Here's, here's where we pause. You notice these people, the sheep or the goats are not people in open rebellion against Jesus Christ. These are not people who reject Jesus Christ and his teaching. These are not... The the goats are not people who say, I want nothing to do with Jesus and that's it. Don't stop talking to me about Jesus. That's... The goats are not those in open rebellion. Look at what they call Jesus. They call him Lord. They got the right words down, don't they? I want Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior... Perfect words. Now put it into practice. And and so they go to Jesus and they say, "Lord." And and here's here church family. This this is the challenge. Call him Lord. Call him Savior. That ain't what he's interested in. That's not what's required of us. Here's a passage, again, from the Sermon on the Mount. There's going to be a whole lot of people that say, Lord, Lord, on that day. Uh, Jesus says in Matthew 7, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father. He who hears and puts into practice just what we said before. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Well, That's pretty good. i got to tell you, that would be pretty special if, if Jesus used you to prophesy in his name, wouldn't it? That would be pretty awesome. That's a, that's a pretty powerful thing. Then he goes... And in, in, in your name, we drove out many demons. Anybody here drive out demons? These people who Jesus is talking to aren't, aren't ne'er-do-wells. Aren't people who don't know about... These are, these are people who are doing amazing things. They are prophesying. They are driving out demons and perform many miracles. Look at what these people have done. Anybody here perform a miracle? These guys are saying, Lord, Lord, what do you mean you don't know us? We've driven out demons. We've done miracles. We've prophesied. We've done all these great things that are so religious. And Jesus will say to them, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. Oh. saying lord lord isn't enough there is a conjunction there only those who do the will of my father only those who hear and put into practice but we continue with the final exam so so these goats are saying wait a second wait a second lord we didn't see you naked we didn't see you hungry we didn't see you in prison <laughs> If we would have, we would have done that. Because you're Jesus. We would have helped you, Jesus, if we would seen you, right? But, but we don't see you in the poor or in the hungry or in the sick. Those, those people have different faces than you. We, we didn't recognize you in those, in those faces of the people that needed help that we walked by every day. We didn't see you in them, Jesus And Jesus goes on. Let's read this one together. This is Jesus' answer to the goats who said, Lord, Lord, we never saw you hungry. We never saw you thirsty. And Jesus says, let's read it together. Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. That conjunction makes all the difference in this world and in the next. And... Do you know what the world is going through right now? We're kind of cloistered in Carroll County, Iowa. Oh, we got, we got issues, we got problems, but you know what? We really have it pretty good. Most of us probably go out to dinner or lunch after church and fill our bellies up, and then we'll be so full, we'll have to take a nap. Right? we'll go home to a house that has a roof over it and, and, and Denise will turn the thermostat up she'll, go, she'll walk to the sink and she'll take a drink of water and she has confidence that the water is clean and doesn't have bacteria that's going to kill you But then there are all those that we don't see. And again, so many people walk through this life saying, well, if I don't see you, if I don't touch you, if I don't experience you, then you must not exist. <laughs> I feel pretty good applying your principle here, Jesus, because I'm taking care. Because everybody I know has a home. Everybody I know has, has food to eat. Everybody I know. So we must be doing well. Don't ask me to go to Rockwell City and visit the prison. Don't ask me to go to Mitchellville and see who, who needs a helping hand. Don't, God, just, just let me stay in my own little world. It'll be so much more comfortable. But God, what, I agonize when you begin to show me the full extent of my responsibility of putting your words into practice because that's the impact the world. If I love God and I love people, I will impact the world because that is my DNA. You know, Denise and I we to the Dominican, we went to the Dominican and there was a church, El Fuego. Anybody know what El Fuego means in Spanish? Don't raise their hand. No. (laughs) Fire. What it is, it is a garbage dump that is on constant fire. It, it is like the ditch outside of Jerusalem when Jesus lived. That's where they put all their waste. And they just kept burning it. And the fire never goes out. And they and th- this missionary built a church there. And, and these kids, they got, they, they have no homes. You know what they There'd be water. Again, anybody who's been to a garbage dump that's unregulated, okay? It's not like waste management. There's water running in troughs from these dumps. And they are putting like wooden cups. These are like three and four-year-olds putting wooden cups in these troughs and just scooping it up and drinking it straight, you know, we're there, we're, we're making certain we have bottled water and, and uh, all, all this kind of stuff. And I'm sitting here going, you know, al- almost all my problems are first world problems. I get upset because I can't find the remote. <laughs> I tell you, in the Dominican, in Zimbabwe, every day they get up trying to find enough food to feed themselves. What if your day was dedicated to finding enough food to feed you and your children? What if if your day was trying to figure out how am I going to be able to to take care of my child who's sick? I got to walk 60 miles one way. And even then, there may not be a doctor. There may not be anybody to take care of them. Oh, family. God's church... If God's mission is so huge. Is so huge. And he's entrusted it to our care. Is there anybody better off than a 21st century American? What is it? If you make $30,000 a year, you're in the top 15% of money earners in the world. Most of the world lives on $2.50 a day and they don't have clean water, and they don't have a store, and they don't have a job. Those who are given much, much is required. I pray that's what you heard throughout my time here. I pr- we started with the final exam three and a half years ago. We end with the final exam today. And, and I want to thank you for sharing the journey of those three and a half years and and trusting me and trusting me with your pulpit, I thank you every day. the niece of my prayer has been that this be a church that steps out that progresses through those four chairs, and by the way, I have a extra books back there. If you don't have that four-chair discipleship book, I got some laying out there. Grab one. But right now, I want to switch gears, and I want to recognize a group that uh, went to North Carolina. Guys, come on up if you went to North Carolina. These guys uh, took a... Come on up. These guys took a week out of their life. They paid money so the church wouldn't have to pay for it. They they kicked into the coffers so that... uh, uh, they would go out to North Carolina. I have stools for each of you. And there are microphones on the bandstand or on the music stands. These guys paid for the privilege of going out to North Carolina and working their butts off. <laughs> it was fun. We, we, we traveled. It's uh, 22 hours there and 24 hours back. But, uh, and uh, every every day we'd have a devotion and we'd share our experiences The pluses and the minuses, the challenges and the blessings of the day. And uh, I'm just going to turn it over to them. Yeah, I I, I was just, yeah. Below my knee is all black and blue to this day. I still haven't, what's that? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we got, we have a, a video on loop. And you can see some of them and what the the job they accomplished. And I'm gonna start with Stacy, do you have a microphone? <laughs> okay. There's one too. Go ahead, Stacy. <laughs> Should have a green light, yeah. yeah there you go. There you go.
1: <laughs> Um, I enjoyed going um again things that um I think are part of a um, experience like this is um helping others and getting to know the group you're with um for me and especially um it was very um rewarding to work alongside my daughter um I remember as a child being shown the love of Christ by an admired adult and then to see it now in your child is just everything. Um, so that for me was the best part um, to see. We Along the way we would see people that were showing the love of Christ as well as we were showing the love of Christ. And then the people that, you know, were in need. Um, and I guess I would just encourage each and every one of you to slow down. Um, to hear what God's saying to you. Um, really listen and understand what he might be asking telling or encouraging you as a calling and also in that slowing down moment being able to really see the love of christ in others because i don't think you have to go around the world to see that um if you're called to go across the u.s absolutely do that um but look outside your back door um you'll see the love of christ being shown to you and then the opportunity for you to show it to others
2: you want to
0: pass
1: it to Kim?
2: Uh, okay. It was
3: really, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was just uh, an amazing experience. And the people there, it was like months after the hurricane, but like people weren't even living in their homes and their homes were just destroyed. And um, just like knowing that like we could help them, just like a group of us was just really inspiring. Denise? Um, I enjoyed uh, the multiple age group that we had that went. I thought that was really cool.
0: If you cry, I'm going to take the microphone right. away. Okay? Uh,
3: I thought the church that we served kind of through, it was through IDES who we support monthly with our missions dollars. June would spank me if I didn't say that out loud. Um, International disaster emergency services. But this church kind of took on a cool role in the fact that they just opened their doors. That's a picture of the church we were at. Um, we stayed in the church. We had cots, and we got three hots and a cot. There's our cots. Uh, uh, they f- took care of us. They fed us. Um, we had breakfast. We had lunch. We had dinner. Um, it was families who came in and showed hospitality and fed us. That's the floor of one of the sheds that we, we um, got to put up. Uh, but just a really cool church in the fact that it used to be, I'm going to use the example, I don't know exactly what it was, but like a Menards, where it had a huge... Store, But out back they had all these uh, Quonset huts, I guess I'd call them. Just big old sheds. And rather than tear them all down, they're using them for the glory of God. So pretty cool. Um, and they have all these components from IDES for the sheds. I don't know where they, how many pieces, I don't know. The walls were separate from the floor and the roof pieces were not rough yet. That's the door. I got to be really good at doors. I'm just telling you, I... And I'm just going to tell you a quick story. Uh, The last day they wanted us, we'd been putting one shed together every day as a team. And the last day they were going to try to get two sheds done. Because they were going to wrap it up till after the new year. And uh, we were about a quarter mile away from one house to the other that we were building two different sheds at. And I had done the doors at one location. They said, okay, we want you to go down to the other location and get the doors ready for that shed. And so Nancy and I walked down. It was about a quarter of a mile. And uh, the boss, who was Phil Fox, um, he's an amazing man of God. Um, He said, I want you to go down there and get an impact screwdriver, which I don't use one of those very often Uh, and take the screws out of the hardware box because that's where all your your pieces to the door is going to be take the lid off of that and then get your pieces for the door and put those doors together so they'll be ready to put the doors on the shed so I go down there and Nancy walks with me and I think okay so here's the hardware box and they were really like embedded the screws were embedded in the box and I'm like trying to make that drill pull them back out took me a while but I finally got it one screw by one screw by one screw pulled that lid off and I looked down in there (laughs) we had so many great belly laughs and this was my best one I looked down in there and it's grass somebody had already opened it up on the other side and (laughs) And with that we'll go to art Ah, I love serving God in, in places send me wherever you want Jesus but you get what you get
2: she took everything I was going to say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I doubt that. <laughs>
2: no. Um, uh, what really amazed me is um, just the group of people we went down with. Were I saw people doing something that, you know, I hadn't done, they hadn't done, but yet uh, we all just pulled together and we got these sheds built. And uh, and the thing that was neat about it, too, is, as uh, Denise uh, alluded to, was the church that we were in. And you talk about people that want to serve the Lord. Uh, we, had a, we arrived about 9 o'clock at night, and there was a man came down just to show us what was going on in the church, gave us a little quick tour and says, uh, we'll have breakfast for you in the morning and, and things like this. And, and um, showed us they had these sack lunches all ready to go. The sandwiches were in the fridge and everything in the sack lunch, and they had honey buns, which are my favorite. <laughs> and they had one in each sack, so I was a happy camper. But um, just the, uh, the the people that we were supposed to come down and serve, they were serving us, and that's what was really neat about it, that uh, uh, they went out of their way so that we could help serve somebody else. And this Phil, that, uh, Phil Fox, uh, that she mentioned, I tell you, you talk about a patient man. That guy never had a word like, oh, shouldn't do it that way or, nah, that's not right or anything else, he'd go up and he'd look at it. And he'd say, that'll work. <laughs> And so you know that was it. No matter what you did, you couldn't do it wrong. Only one time I think he said something about I think that hinges on backwards (laughs) on. But other than that, that, it was just one of those things that was really neat. So what I got out of it is just being able to see how other people do serve. Um, I never even thought about me serving them. It was them serving us, and we were able to go down there and help put these sheds together. So that's kind of what I got out of all this. And
3: then he was IT retired. Yeah,
2: yeah, he was an IT, he was a retired IT person that doesn't know he didn't, that wasn't, we thought it was his job because he knew how to do all this stuff. But no, he says, I was in IT for 35 years. He said, I had to learn this and got roped in. So anyway.
4: Um, I guess I'll finish up, or maybe Gail will. Than that, uh, but one of the things that really hit me, as far as even that, always, even when you go on youth group type of trips, one of the best things about it is the fact that you really get to know the people that uh, you're with. I mean, when you spend 20 some hours in the van and that together, or when each way and you you get your hands dirty and that with them, you really get to know them. I mean, I can honestly say that. I mean, I didn't know. Uh, Stacy and Kim that well but uh, I mean what great people and uh, you really get to know them and appreciate them on a much higher level than you do by just walking in and say, hi my name is Jerry uh, you really get to know those people and you look at what the application in terms of being able to do and that for the church I mean we were down there we were not what you call really skilled people by any sense of imagination <laughs> I mean, you could take it on the flip side of that. But because of the fact that we had numbers, we could do things. I mean, this guy Phil, for example, I mean, he was a very skilled individual and very, very talented, and he had good communication skills and all this type of thing, but he couldn't do it by himself because he couldn't lift all these type of things up. He couldn't uh, hammer on this side and go over here and do this and that. But because of the fact that we had numbers we were able to accomplish things. And even in terms of the way he communicated that with people, I mean it was amazing he would say well I guess that's the way we'll do it. I mean he, there were times we made mistakes, I mean believe that. Um, And he looked right through those and helped us be able to correct them. and he helped build confidence in each one of us in terms of our, our skills that we did provide. But I mean, the same application I think you can see in regard to the church. If people work together and come together and do things in that, it's amazing what you can accomplish. And again, you'll get to know people on a different level that you will than any other way. But uh, again, I just encourage you to take advantage of things like this in the future and uh, appreciate uh, the church uh, allowing us to do that.
0: And I would just say... Jerry shared that with us for his last devotion. Just what a great leader Phil was. Phil, Phil wouldn't beat up or make fun of or... If, if people were working, he knew he couldn't do it without a team. And he was gentle. And again, he wanted to start at a certain time. But for whatever reasons, the delay. And instead of blowing up, he'd simply say, we're going to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish today and and I just for these two men your new elders coming in here this this was the parting gift for me and Denise to see the leadership in the church step up and say we're we're going to go get our hands dirty we're going to go to the least of these and And to see them learn the leadership lessons from putting up a shed, just as Jerry did, to extrapolate. I have unskilled people. They don't know what to do, but they have a good heart, and we're going to try to get this done. And what kind of leader can do that? Man, that was just powerful to hear leadership say, this is what we need to do as we lead the church. I got to work with a couple pastors. And first off, they said, don't trust anybody... don't trust a preacher that can't swing a hammer because our Savior's a carpenter. Okay? I, I they didn't want me with the power tools, you know, but they gave me a hard time over it. But these, these pastors who were doing this, the pastor that, at the church, his whole church got basically blown up as a result of this because they were so busy going out into the community. He said, Gail, our, our services on Sunday were a mess. We couldn't bring a praise team in. We were all just going in 16 different directions. And I realized, we're being the church. <laughs> Instead of focusing on the on hour and a half on Sunday morning, he says, we're being the church when we're out there in the neighborhood. We'll, we'll come and we'll worship when we get together, but it will look nothing like the traditional worship. And he, he says, Gail, it's time for the church to put up or shut up one or the other and it was just amazing to see these men leading their congregations who were putting it up and uh, we are uh, again we had a just an awesome time together and and the best part for me was when they opened their bibles at night and said this is a scripture that's been on my heart and this is how i see it lived out in what we did today and it was a real bless. It was a real blessing as a church family to do this. And, and I pray, um, I pray that this is just the beginning uh, of of great things for the glory of God. Because as we hear and put His words into practice, it's life transforming. And we're going to close with prayer right now. In fact, Art would. Okay, I'm not the one that got us over. I'm going to blame Joel since I'm not going to be here next week. No. (laughs) I just want want to thank
5: you, Gail and Denise, for leading these people on the mission trip and all the different reaching out that you've encouraged us to do in the last three and a half years. Um, I just really appreciate it. And on behalf of the church, we thank you for your service here. And... um, we just pray though, nothing but the best for you because we know you are going to be our missionaries out there into the world as well. pray so. This is a card that many people have signed that we wanted to give to both you and Denise and to take with you that you can read. And I was just wondering, um, I'd just like to close this in a word of prayer as um, Denise and Gail finish up this last service here. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for their leadership, and we thank you for the opportunities that they gave people in this church to reach out and to be missionaries to you and to help other people that are truly in need, whether it be in Zimbabwe or North Carolina or in our own backyard. And we just pray, Lord, you will continue to bless Gail and Denise and um, just help them to find the people that they need to serve, as I know they are going to be your missionaries throughout Iowa and the world. In Jesus' name we pray.
2: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Joel.
4: I like it.
0: When they shut off your mic, Jerry, that's a that's a bad sign. <laughs> I'd
4: like to add one thing. If uh, if some of you didn't have the opportunity to be able to sign the card, I mean, I think we could probably get an address that uh, Gail and Denise and that, uh, would would like things to be able to send to, and you could send some personal notes and that to them. I'm sure they would appreciate that very much.
0: And our phone number is still in the bulletin. We're only an hour and a half away if I drive, an hour and 45 if these niece drives. And we've already set up restaurants. When you go to, to Fleming's or P.F. Chang's, I want to be invited, and we'll meet you. God bless.